Well, it is 9.40 on the East Coast. It is, I believe, 6.40 on the West Coast. You people who get up at 6.40 on the West Coast to listen to this call, you are amazing. I suppose it doesn't really matter because it's the same time I'm getting up. I just call it 9.40 and you call it 6.40. Whoops, I think I didn't do my pong. There we go. Hi there, everybody. Welcome to our weight management call. It is, oh my goodness, the 28th of October. This is Granny D. Dorcas Smith out of Plymouth, Michigan. I am a retired teacher and a new skin cheerleader. I'll tell you, weight management and the lifestyle change that you can get with the TR90 program is probably just one of the most amazing things. I want you to know that thanks to NuSkin, I am doing exceptionally well. And for updates on those of you on my teeth, which I have been talking about, I want to thank our good friend Walter. He got me looking at G3, and I have been swishing and brushing my teeth with G3 now for a week. And I am almost, I can basically say I'm 100% healed. I am absolutely in awe. I had no idea that G3 had these um, anti, not antibiotic, but natural healing. Um, what I did find out is that, um, what? Bacteria won't grow on G3 Petri dishes. Bacteria doesn't like G3. And underneath your gums, as you age, you get this little infection called periodontal disease. And it sits under your gums and it manifests itself. Well, thanks to G3 swishing and brushing, I'm getting it underneath my teeth. I also dip my dental floss in the G3. And I'm going to tell you, I'm getting better. I am better. It's absolutely amazing. So if you have any kind of infection, especially in your mouth, G3 is the way to go. Brush your teeth, swish your teeth, and I've also been told that it works on cuts and cuts. So just like tea tree, G3, <laughs> the two rhyme, G3, tea tree, they work. They really do natural ways of healing. So that's awesome. Today, I am going back to attention and brain rules with John Medina, 2008. The 12 Principles of Surviving and Thriving at Work, Home, and School. Now, the last time I talked about attention, I was talking about an amazing uh, waiter who was able to remember all the orders, up to even 20 people, without getting them wrong. So, whether you're a, wain, a waiter or a brain scientist, if you want to get the particulars correct, don't start with the details. Start with the key ideas, and in a hierarchical fashion, form the details around these larger notions. And one of my problems as a younger woman is I was always into the details and not the global or the big idea. So get your big idea first 
and then go to the details. So, I have been talking to focus and attention. And, oops, I daisy, I just want to see what was the first one. The first one's emotions get our attention. That's the first one. Second one, meaning before details. You need the meaning, the global meaning. But here's the third one, and I've been getting to this for a while. The brain cannot multitask. Multitasking, when it comes to paying attention, is a myth. The brain naturally focuses on concepts sequentially, one at a time. At first, that might sound confusing. At one level, the brain does multitask. You can walk and talk at the same time. Your brain controls your heartbeat while you read a book. Pianists can play a piece, can play a piece with the left hand and the right hand simultaneously. Surely this is multitasking. Hmm. But John Medina is talking about the brain's ability to pay attention. It is the resource you forcibly deploy while trying to listen to a boring lecture at school. It is the activity that collapses your brain. Hold on. It is the activity that collapses as your brain wanders during a tedious presentation at work. This attention ability is not capable of multitasking. Recently, Medina agreed to help a high school son of a friend with some homework. He didn't think he would ever forget this experience. Eric had been working for about half an hour on his laptop when Medina was ushered into the room. An iPod was dangling from his neck and earbuds cranking out Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, and Green Day as his left hand reflexively tapped the backbeat. The laptop had at least 11 windows open, including two IM screens carrying simultaneous conversations with Facebook friends. Another window was busy downloading an image from Google. The window behind it had the results of some graphic he was altering for his Facebook friend number two. And the one behind that had an old Pong game that was paused in mid-ping. Buried in the middle of this activity was a word processing program holding the contents of the paper for which I was to provide assistance. The music helps me concentrate, Eric declared, taking a call on his cell phone. phone. I normally do everything at school, but I'm stuck. Thanks for coming. Stuck indeed. Eric would make progress on a sentence or two, then tap out a MySpace message, actually a Facebook message. This is an older book, so this is when MySpace was big. Then see if the download was finished. Then return to his paper. Clearly, Eric wasn't concentrating on his paper. Sound like someone you know? To put it bluntly, research shows that we can't multitask. We are biologically incapable of processing attention-rich inputs simultaneously, and the rest of us must jump from one thing to the next. To understand this remarkable conclusion, we must delve a little deeper into the third of Posner's trinity, the executive network. Let's look at what Eric's executive network is doing as he works on the paper and gets interrupted by You've Got Mail, prompt from his girlfriend, Emily. Step one, shift alert. To write the paper from a cold start, blood quickly rushes to the interior prefrontal, prefrontal cortex of Eric's head. 
This area of the brain, part of the executive network, works like a switchboard, alerting the brain that it's about to shift attention. Step two, rule act activation for task one. Embedded in the alert is a two-part message, electricity sent crackling through Eric's brain. The first part is a search query to find the neurons capable of executing a paper writing task. The second part encodes a command that will rouse the neurons once discovered. This process is called rule activation, and it takes several tenths of a second to accomplish. Eric begins to write his paper. Step three. So the first one, step one, shift alert. Step two, rule activation for task one. Step three, disengagement. While he's typing, Eric's sensory system picks up the email alert from his girlfriend. Because the rules for writing a paper are different from the rules for writing to Emily, Eric's brain must disengage from the paper writing rules before he can respond. This occurs. The switchboard is consulted, alerting the brain that another shift in attention is about to happen. Rule number four, rule activation for task two. Another two-part message seeking the rule activation protocols for emailing Emily is now deployed. As before, the first is a command to find the writing Emily rules, and the second is the activation command. Now Eric can pour his heart out to his sweetheart as before. It takes several tenths of a second to simply perform the switch. Incredibly, these four steps must occur in sequence every time Eric switches from one task to another. It's time-consuming, and it's sequential, and that's why we can't multitask. That's why people find themselves losing track of previous progress and needing to start over, perhaps muttering things now. Now, where was I? Each time they switch tasks. The best you can do is say that people who appear to be good at multitasking actually have good working memories, capable of paying attention to several inputs at one time. So we have step one, shift alert, write the paper. Step two, rule activation for what? For task one, what are the writing paper skills? Step three, text. Disengagement. Step four, re-engagement and rule activation for step two. This is why you're inefficient when you try to multitask because you've got to go into one activity, pull out, shift, go into the next activity, pull out, shift. If you're doing three things, go to the next activity, pull in, and then pull out again and shift. It's very time-consuming, and it doesn't really work well. It's inefficient. So, the best you can say is that people who appear to be good at multitasking actually have good working memories, capable of paying attention to several inputs at one time. Here's why this matters. Studies show that a person who is interrupted takes 50% longer to accomplish a task. Get that, listen, listen to that. A person who is interrupted takes 50% longer to accomplish a task. Not only that, he or she makes up to 50% more errors. 
because you keep losing track. Some people, particularly younger people, are more adept at task switching. In a person, if a person is familiar with the task, the completion time and errors are much less than if the tasks are unfamiliar. Still, taking your sequential, your sequential brain into a multitasking environment can be like trying to put your right foot in your left shoe. A good example is driving while talking on a cell phone. Until researchers started measuring the efforts, the effects of the cell phone distractions under controlled conditions, nobody had had any idea how profoundly they impair the driver. It's like driving drunk. Recall that large fractions of a second are consumed every time the brain switches tasks. Cell phone talkers are half a second slower to hit the brakes in emergencies, slower to return to normal speed after an emergency, and more wild in their following distance behind the vehicle in front of them. In a half second, a driver going 70 miles an hour travels 51 feet. Given that 80% of crashes happen within three seconds of some kind of driver distraction, increasing your amount of task switching increases your risk of an accident. More than 50% of the visual clues, of the visual cues spotted by attentive drivers are missed by cell phone talkers. Not surprisingly, they get into more wrecks than anyone except for very drunk drivers. It isn't just talking on a cell phone. It's putting on makeup, eating, rubbernecking an accident. One study showed that simply reaching for an object while driving, a car while driving in a car multiplies the risk of a crash or a near crash by nine times. Given what we know about the attention capacity of the human brain, this, these data are not surprising. Number four, the brain needs a break. Our need for timed interruptions remind me of my mind's. Our need for timed interruptions reminds Medina of a film called Mondo Mondo Kane, which holds the distinction of being the worst movie my parents reported ever seeing. Their sole reason for hating this movie was one disturbing scene. Farmers force-feeding geese to make their pâté foie gras. Using fairly vigorous strokes with a pole, farmers literally stuffed food down the throats of these poor animals. When the goose wanted to regurgitate, a brass ring was fastened around its throat, trapping the food inside the digestive tract. This is horrible. Jammed over and over again, such nutrient oversupply eventually created a stuffed liver pleasing the chefs around the world. Of course, it did nothing for the nourishment of the geese who were sacrificed in the name of expediency. My mother would often relate this story to me when she talked about being a good or bad teacher. Most teachers overstuffed their students, she would explain, like those farmers in that awful movie. When I went to college, I soon discovered what she meant. And now that I am a professor who has worked closely with business, the business community, the business community, I can see the habit close up. The most common communication mistakes relating to too much information with not enough time devoted to connecting the dots. Lots of force feeding and very little digestion. 
This does nothing for the nourishment of the listeners whose, whose learning is often sacrificed in the name of expediency. At one level, this is understandable. Most experts are familiar with their topic that they're so familiar with their topic that they forget what it's like to be a novice. Even if they remember, experts become, can become bored with having to repair the fundamentals over and over again. In college, Medina found that a lot of his professors, because they had to communicate such elementary le- at such elementary levels, were truly fed up with teaching. They seemed to forget the information was brand new to us and that we needed time to digest it, which meant we needed time for consistent breaks. How true indeed, the expertise doesn't guarantee good, good teaching. Such needs are not the case in cl- just in classrooms. Medina has observed similar mistakes in sermons, boardrooms, sales pitches, media stories, media stories. Anywhere information from an expert needs to be transferred to a novice. Give your novice a break. And I am going to stop there. So multitasking is not a task that we should be trying to do. It is inefficient. It takes you 50% longer to get a task done and you make 50% more mistakes. Okay, here we go. And there you go. Isn't that interesting? Multitasking is not Fascinating. Thank you so much. I needed to hear that from my boys. I love that. (laughs) It's fascinating. Oh, yeah. No kidding. I, I, it uh, woke me up. The fact that you make 51, 50% more mistakes, that's phenomenal. It takes you 50% more time. And when you're reaching for something in the car, you are more prone to have an accident. I don't think I'm going to be talking so much on the phone in my car anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that would you be a good choice. <laughs> so who would have thought? Because it's the fashionable thing, you know, multitasking is good. No, it's not. It's terrible for you. And when you're working with somebody who's doing something for the first time, give them time to have a break. Let the t- brain have time to process. So as you can see, I get excited about what I'm reading. It is almost 10 o'clock. I'd like to thank Brian for his recording of today and helping with with the call. One Team Global is on in a minute. If you're building your business, go on and listen. I love to hear the voices that you enjoyed, what I, I am sharing with you. There's just so much. What I can tell you is that if you're losing focus or you're having or you're with kids who are losing focus, get them up and have them move. Do a dance, do an exercise, do some brain gym, and then go back to work. If you give the brain a break, you will do better. And like I said, when I was studying in college, I would work on an hour's basis. Now, Medina says 10 minutes. I had a system. Make a cup of coffee and study like the bejesus for... 15 minutes, then stop. I could get up, move around, I could wash the dishes, I could go to the bathroom, I had 15 minutes. 15 minutes again, and I would go back to work, I'd have my cup of coffee, 
and I'd work for 15 minutes. So for every hour of work, I got half an hour of studying, but good studying. If I did that, I got a lot more done than if I stayed at it the whole time for the hour. So give your brain a break. Work really hard. And then if you need to get up and move, take some time and then go back and finish it. I'm so glad, Victoria, Victoria, that this will help with your sons. Absolutely. All teachers should know this. Have a great day. Be well. Tomorrow, Susan is on. And on Friday, we hope to have a, a session with meditation with with Victoria Perper, which will be wonderful because I've really missed her um, meditations. However, when you're selling a house, you feel kind of crazy. And that's a time when multitasking is just driving you up the wall. So I think she sold her house. She moves on the 18th. Congratulations. Be well. God bless. Thank you for being today, being with me today. Have a wonderful Wednesday. And we'll be back with you again tomorrow. God bless. Stay safe. And may your day be wonderful. This is Granny D saying goodbye. Dorcas Smith. And we'll be talking to you with you or sharing with you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.